Hello, everybody. Listen to the sound of my voice. Listen to how crystal clear it sounds. Now, forget about all of that because, you know, Matt did the Matt thing and he didn't have the right mic hooked up during the recording of this podcast. So while you will hear my guest, John, in fairly decent audio, I will sound like I'm talking to you from across the room. And I apologize. I'll try to do better next time. I promise. It doesn't mean I will. It just means that I promise that I'll try. Here's your spoiler warning. When we're going to be talking about the books of A Song of Ice and Fire, we're always talking about it in the context of the most recently published book. And when we talk about any of the television shows, Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon, etc., we're always talking in the context of the most recently released episode. That's all you need to know. And now you've been warned. Dedicated to George R.R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire book series. Mushroom, mushroom. I need, I need mushroom. And the HBO Game of Thrones franchises. You're listening to Before the Dragon. Don't tell me what to do, 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 do. Welcome back to Before the Dragon podcast today. We're doing a deeper discussion of the trailer rather than me just glancing over a little bit and we won't be uh, having to worry about as much speculation as I was making this last time around. To get to some of that real quick, by the way, my name's Matt. Just remember that it was only a few days ago that I said the shots of Damon and Messaria and, of course, of Otto Hightower and the shot approaching the island. I said it was all Dragonstone. Everyone else in the world thinks that it is indeed Driftmark, an island which I totally forgot about, which is somewhere near that whole area within the proximity of the Blackwater Bay and all of that stuff, very close to the shores of King's Landing. It's another island, and I just completely forgot about it because also I was trying to not be too much of a book guy saying, I know about an island that you don't, TV people, because nobody's talked about Driftmark in the television show, as far as I know. At any rate, it doesn't really matter. I also uh, seem to have gone against everybody else in terms of saying that it looked like the table that Renera was standing at was the table that uh, was the same as in the celebrations that we saw in the first trailer. Well... You know, if I'd have just watched season two of Game of Thrones again, I would have recognized instantly that that was the painted table that came with the whole idea of, you know, Dragonstone. So there, at least we know Rhaenyra is a Dragonstone. I also miss the fact that all of the soldiers with Damon in some of those shots, whether he was storming away from wherever he was, or when he was drawing a sword, which appeared to be towards Otto Hightower, uh, they all had, like, gold capes. Hmm, gold cloaks. Everybody remember Bronn ended up becoming the head of the gold cloaks under Tyrion's reign as Hand of the King. That's what we think those are. They're gold cloaks, um, not some kind of special army, or at least I think that's the case. Another one. Uh, I had no idea who was flying on that dragon towards King's Landing. I've seen several reports saying that it is Rhaenyra flying on Syrax. So all of those things about me saying, well, that doesn't look like the Caraxus dragon, which would be Matt Damon's dragon, would be Damon 
or Matt Damon would be Matt Smith's dragon, Damon. Caraxes uh, would have been Damon's dragon, but this time around, it would seem that it was, in fact, uh, probably Rhaenyra, although I still don't know about that. I, I mean, if you all can see that on a the shot, then I'm with you. You know, I'll just take your word for it. And I also said that, you know, Matt Smith's hair must have just been pulled back as Damon in that one shot where he's looking at Rhaenyra and Sir Lenor as they're beginning to dance. Well, there are some people who are actually saying, and I'm not sure I agree with this, but there are some people who are saying that the guy who is being thrown on the floor by the Kingsguard is, in fact, Damon, Matt Smith's character. And because that character has short hair, that means that Matt Smith's hair is short. Well, I will concede that, yes, in that shot with Rhaenyra and Lenor, where he seems to be watching them, or at least that's the way it's cut together, his hair is cut. It is not pulled back, as I said before. Nonetheless, uh, I'm not sure that that's the guy that that's Matt uh, Smith getting thrown down there. I'm not sure that that's Damon. Wow. Just imagine, I gave you 30 minutes of podcast and I've already given you 10 minutes of corrections. I th- makes it like I scored a 66% on my, on my trailer uh, analysis last week. That's fine. But somebody who does know and has watched this trailer multiple times and can correct me on any number of other things that I commented wrongly about last week is my good friend. He's the titan of a song of ice and fire from the north. It's John. John, welcome back to the podcast. It's been a long time since we had you here. Yeah, it certainly has. Thanks for having me. And I'll be honest, Matt, I don't see how anyone could question your judgment. And thinking about Driftmark, I mean, seriously, like, who, who's thinking, how can you go, oh, that's definitely Driftmark from like a minute trailer, 30 second trailer, you crazy. Until the show starts, you you can't possibly know those things. Sorry. Uh, I'm, just, I'm just saying, that's what everybody else is saying. And the castle does look nothing like Dragonstone uh, in the trailer right? that we know the Dragonstone of old. So they're probably right. But I just wanted to think that, oh, it's a new show. They did a refit. It was 100 years ago. Maybe Dragonstone just looked much nicer back then, uh, you know, shinier and that's one of those things that I just figured I, I you know, what else, what other island do we talk about in Game of Thrones other than Dragonstone? So that was just my, you know, my go-to guess, uh, which evidently, according to just about everybody else in the world, I was wrong. <laughs> anyway, it's great to have you here. We want to remind you folks that we will be talking about some book things during the course of this podcast We'll leave it up to you to decide whether you want to know any of that stuff or not. We're not going to spoil any major plot points, you know, like who dies when or, or that kind of thing. At least I hope we're not. We're not, John, are we? We're not. We're not if, if I do, it's totally by accident. And the good news is, is everyone can go on the Internet and read about all these things if they want to. It's not like no. they're hidden. <laughs> Not only that, for a very small price, you can actually buy the story and know for yourself and read. Give George some money so that he can squander it doing something else besides writing Winds of Winter. It's perfectly fine. It's the way of the last decade. Why do we want to stop his progress now? We do have a new book coming out this fall, too. (laughs) Not Winds of Winter. (laughs) Yeah, well, we play all the hits around here and never get to any of the new things. Every artist is afraid of their newest album. How is it going to compare to the last one? And so that's why George has hesitated for <clears throat> 12 years. 
God, it's been um, that long. <laughs> I think it. When, when did Dance come out? It was 2010 or 2011. So we're coming up on nine years at the very least. Wow. Oh. Yeah. It's painful. Right. It's painful. I mean, I, I could be really rude and say, well, you know, Robert Jordan never finished Wheel of Time. It took Brandon Sanderson to do it for him. But why would I say something like that? Because that's just totally mean. Oh, I guess I just said it. Anyway. <laughs> he doesn't listen. <laughs> Robert is not listening. I can guarantee you that. Mr. Jordan is not listening. Neither is or Jordan. If he is, he's rolling over in his grave. That's for sure. Uh, <laughs> don't forget, folks, that you can listen to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever, and that if you want to contact me so that you can berate me for my terrible jokes about Robert Jordan, or, you know, you can commend me for having excellent guests like John over there, then please feel free to tweet at the letter B, the number four, the Dragon Pod on Twitter. You can send emails to mattsaudioblog at gmail.com. That's M-A-T-T-S audioblog at gmail.com. Or you can just go to the website and use the contact form there, mattsaudioblog.com, M-A-T-T-S audioblog.com. Also, there is a link to our YouTube page there. We're putting all of these podcasts up on YouTube as well. But I don't have enough subscribers to have a special name where I can just say, you know, just search for Before the Dragon Podcast or to give you a special little URL. So I need subscribers to that YouTube. Use the link at mattsaudioblog.com. Go to the web to the YouTube page, subscribe today, and eventually I'll have a nice little URL to where more people can join. And you can always leave comments there. We do have a comment from my last podcast via the YouTube page uh, from somebody who this podcast will know well. His name is Bubba. He's from Double P Media. He loves giving me trouble about House of the Dragon stuff. Don't forget that they will also be doing returning with their podcast, the Joffrey Podcast for Double P Podcast Network. And uh, you'll have all the good Bubba and Catfish stuff rolling your way with them. John, I think that I've gotten all of the housekeeping business out of the way. But I haven't talked to you hardly at all. So... What did you think of the trailer? Just a general impression. Were you, I mean, were you drawn in by it? Were there, I, I, I know that you watched it many times, but that doesn't mean that you necessarily enjoyed it. Tell me what you thought. I mean, you, <laughs> Game of Thrones is back, man. Like, that's like the most Game of Thrones thing that I've seen in a long time. I feel like these other shows that people keep trying to say, oh, watch The Last Kingdom. Oh, watch the, watch this I can't even think about. It. Every time I try something, it's like it's it's not what I'm looking for. This is exactly what 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 we've been looking for. What we've been missing. I've been rewatching the the whole rerun as my like go to bed show for like the past three months. Like so, I watch them 15 minute chunks. That show is still so good. I know it might not have ended where we wanted it to, but you know, I'm watching it now. If you didn't see what was so coming, you weren't paying attention. But this show, I think you're even going to get even more callbacks to the stuff that we've already seen. But you're also going to get that extra color, the extra great stuff. Apparently, we're going to drift mark according to the internet, so we got that coming for us. You don't have to worry about <laughs> you don't have to worry about gigantic maps unfolding. I have a feeling um, in the beginning. I don't think we have to worry about that. 
but I do want you to keep using Matt Damon to talk about Damon Targaryen because I think that's like way too perfect. That's got to okay. be like a running joke for you. All right, Matt Damon, it is. Uh, Damon Matt, can I do that? Mm, no, it doesn't. Matt no, Damon. gotta be Matt Damon. <laughs> All right, so we'll do Matt Damon from now on. Uh, the other thing that I, of course, uh, wanted to ask you, just in general, was there anything about the trailer where you kind of went, "Huh? What? What's going on there?" Or, or was it all just pretty much, uh, "I'm excited for it." Oh, what, what the um, the gold cloaks thing? Because and and for all the crazy book nerds out there, I I am one of you, but I have to admit I have not been as nearly as attached to the hip at the House of Dragon as I once was to the other books. So I haven't been read up. So I was not expecting to see Damon Targaryen as one of the gold cloaks because I haven't read that part of the story yet. So, but that was kind of cool to see like actual references that we're familiar with kind of played out in the trailer. I'll be honest, that trailer just rushes over you. So in terms of surprise, no, finally noticing somebody's on the back of that dragon, that was kind of like, oh, okay. Seeing the Valarians or the Valarians. I'm not sure how we were going to pronounce Valarians. it. <laughs> Are you referring to Corlys, the Valarian? Yes. Yes. No, but actually... The, the Valerian dagger that uh, <laughs> Olivia Holtz, uh, Alicent is wielding there. Yes. No, that was actually, it's so funny because I had to watch so many videos because I'm not one of those weirdos that'll like freeze frame stuff and like analyze to the nth degree. I let the rest of the internet do that and, and I just get to reap the benefits. But that was really cool. That's kind of shocking to see that in there. But it, I know as I've skimmed the interwebs before we had House of the Dragon and seen all the crazy stories that were published over time. That cat's paw dagger shows up a lot. So I don't know what, if ever we're going to know the full story, but clearly there's some sort of thing there. But in terms of back to Matt's original question, anything shocked me? Not really. I was a little bit, I, don't, I guess not shocked, but possibly annoyed that we're going to mm-hmm. be doing a lot of time jumping. Um Just because selfishly, that means I know my mom's going to be constantly calling me about like so <laughs> or complaining like they're doing the time jump thing again and pick you don't have to watch it because there was always a debrief after every episode i had to do with my family all right all right none of my family uh my father passed but my mom uh she has never had any interest in this show or the books but that's the that's the way that that goes but i don't have to explain anything to anybody thank goodness now the way i understand this uh, John, uh, at least I've heard this rumor-wise, and I can't confirm it. Uh, everything that I do around here is reckless speculation most of the time. But I've heard that after we get through about the first five episodes of this first season, we probably won't see as much of the younger versions of Rhaenyra and uh, uh, Alicent. Uh, that's uh, Millie Alcock playing Rhaenyra. And I cannot remember the actress's name who's playing the young uh, Allison. But uh, either way, I, I, that's what I have heard. Um, I have no idea if it is going to be uh, the case or not. I think what might be interesting would be actually to lay it out. I, I mean, I know you, you're not a big fan of jumping around with the time, but I think it would be cool to do flashbacks throughout several seasons where you see them 
Um, but that may not be the case for you. That you wouldn't you wouldn't dig that too much. Uh, I'm okay with time jumps. I just don't, uh, don't. Sometimes narratively, it's it it's one of those things that they kind of lean on a little bit too much instead of just telling the story. But as long as it's contextually important and you can kind of make that like connection for folks without having it kind of being like us for no pun intended here, a stark change. Um, it's it, 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 cause it can cause confusion. Cause I guess that's the one thing I would be a little bit disappointed in is, is if this show feels like it's not getting people on board right away, which the granted the first season of the game of Thrones show, I mean, lightning in a bottle. I'm still shocked after watching that first season multiple times that it actually took off. So I would hate for this to um, possibly just kind of like hamstring itself a little bit by leaning on it. However, you can see the money in the trailer. It's everywhere. They've not cut any corners. HBO's betting on this huge. So they need it. Uh, HBO is uh, Time Warner is way behind in the in the streaming game. As can well, Netflix has finally shown its first. Uh, downturn, mm-hmm. I suppose, and, and uh, Disney Plus came up with a storm uh, because they had all of the franchises that they could act on now, whereas you know Time Warner had Game of Thrones, and Game of Thrones wasn't doing so well in its last season. I mean, don't get me wrong; everybody was watching it. They were still they were still getting the attention and everything like that, but they uh, you know it wasn't getting the same kind of press. And then you had this lull, and they had this new you know, platform in HBO Max that they're trying to launch and they don't have anything to launch it with as opposed to a Disney or whatever. So that 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 probably is an issue for them, which is why they're probably super excited to do 50 billion George R. Martin executive produced shows in the next five years. Actually, I think five. But, but still, you know, they that's, had proposed that's nine. They had proposed nine and fi- only five of them made the cut. So... That's uh, that's a lot of shows. Uh, that's that's a years. that's I don't know. That's kind of crazy. Netflix approval levels like five out of nine. That's that's a lot. But this one, I mean, to be honest, this one looks. It's got me pretty pumped. I haven't been this excited for like Game of Thrones stuff um, until we all thought Winds of Winter was coming. That it was going to be out before the final season. It would help rectify some things. I, I mean, I know exactly. Every, as everyone just laughs, at, it's like hope springs eternal. Let's uh, just talk about some other things as well as we move into our deeper dive and probably some serious back, back you know, underneath music because that's when we talk seriously about this trailer. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Here's the thing, because I was thinking about this today simply for the fact that uh, I know I had talked about this with some of our other co-hosts two years ago when we first started talking about House of the Dragon coming out or, you know, eventually or whatever and didn't even know if it was going to get approved and one show had already been canned and, you know, everything like that. But the thing is, is that when you look at, and this is book stuff, folks, so just if you're not into the book stuff, thanks for sticking around. Uh, but we're probably gonna have more and more book comments as we go along. It's up to you to stay here or not. What I was thinking about in terms of specifically 
with the way that fire and blood is written. It's written from the perspective of a historian who has gathered papers uh, from other historians, either of their that particular time or people who were in the presence of the people that he's writing about in that particular time. So you end up with this almost like a Rashomon effect where you have um, so many different perceptions when you're reading these books that you can't make any of them a reliable narrator because in some cases uh, say a particular gesture like mushroom his account actually seems the most plausible and even applying with something like Occam's razor to some of these accounts you just say but, but that part doesn't fit and so one of the things that I, I am wondering uh, and I don't know if you care to speculate on this or not but the whole idea of presenting it as a television show you can't go back and do like a, a Kurzweil film where you have all of the perspectives from a single scene going in a row and then you have to try to decide which one is the most accurate. <laughs> we can't have that. So if they present a truth, so to speak, is that going to affect, and you said you haven't even gotten all the way through this part of, of the novel, but will that affect the way that you look at all of these different accounts? I don't think so, just because of kind of what you're saying is, is he's intentionally laid out unreliable narrators and he's always presented it that way. So if anything, it's, 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 you do have two stories. It's, it, you got a perception story, which is in the book. It's, it's what the world perceived all these things happening and doing, where the actual like show is giving you the quote unquote truth. The, um, but the, I mean, it, again, it's, it just depends if, if you find that interesting me, I'm a, I'm a lover of history. So I, I find that stuff interesting because often what gets written about history isn't exactly what happened. Um, I think it, what's actually going to be very interesting, um, for what's happening in the world today, because we document everything way more than we could have in the past. It's going to be interesting to see what's written in the history books of the time period we lived in. I don't know if we'll ever live that long, but I guarantee the history books are not going to be exactly what we experienced. They're just always going to be a filter. There's always going to be a, a context in terms of how somebody perceives it is going to be different than the actual person who experienced it. So, but th what's interesting for me is what you said in terms of what we're going to have in this show. You're going to get perspectives because we don't have like a novel to kind of lean on where we get all the various chapters by name, character, name, character, name, character. The This group of showrunners doesn't necessarily get pigeonholed in terms of like, I have to show these characters perspectives all the time. He can maybe show conversations that might they might have been reluctant to show on the main show. Not all the time. They definitely went into that, but we might, maybe we don't get Damon's perspective. It looks like we do in, in the show, but just using him as an example, you might only see Damon from Rhaenyra's perspective or from like earlier when he's younger, Viserys' perspective. You might not get into the inner sanctum of Damon Targaryen, maybe until a certain time. Like, so there's definitely a lot of things they can play with, like POVs and stuff. But in terms of 
how they decide to do it, I don't know. But that's the more interesting part, is like, how do they tell the story? I know that's a very long-winded answer to your question about the difference between the book and the, the show. I don't have an issue with it, and I think most people that are going to watch the show, they're not going to read the book, so they're not going to know the difference anyways. All right. Uh, maybe one of the reasons George is having such trouble with Winds of Winter is that he's forgotten how to write POVs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Didn't think about that. That's that is the truth. <laughs> um, but that's so, actually a fair point, though, because you're—I mean—he's been working on multiple history books on this, and I mean, it's—I mean, it's—I don't know. At least for me, I don't think it would be easy just kind of like, oh, oh, I'm writing this way. Now I'm gonna write this way. It's totally different. Let me get real nitpicky about one little thing. We saw that shot of Driftmark, and uh, as we were approaching Driftmark, then we saw all of this black rock, which. Strangely enough, looks like dragon glass. Uh, now, Driftmark's kind of in the same area as Dragonstone, and we found out in the show version of Game of Thrones that Dragonstone has a lot of dragon glass. I think that's even mentioned somewhere, maybe in Storm or something, when we start to explore Dragonstone a little bit more, that there is some dragon glass about, although not the great caches that the, the show ended up finding. But all I'm thinking is, is that, well, islands are volcanic usually. That's how they get formed, many of them, unless there's some kind of other tectonic thing going on that's pushing them up out of the ocean. John, did you ever get the impression that dragon glass was nothing more than just volcanic glass? Is that what it's supposed to be? Because when I saw this this time, I don't know why it's taken me 10, 12 years to figure this out. But dragon glass is nothing more than volcanic, mm -hmm. you know, volcanic rock. And that kills White Walkers? What's so special about it? Well, I think this stuff has a glass-like appearance. I know not all volcanic rock does, but I, I mean, I believe the way I, and I've, I've read so many of these things, so sorry I don't have an institutional knowledge where I know exactly what page I read it on, but I want to say it was almost, they called it obsidian. So there is almost like a, a, a world for world relation in some way however um but yeah no it's yeah it's it's literally just volcanic rock just in the way it was formed it just has a glassy te texture and kind of appearance to it has it just been crushed up for a little longer and so it's getting closer to being a diamond is that all it is yeah i, <laughs> I think it might have to do with the temperature um oh. and kind of when things come together they come together at a certain temperature and it cools it too fast it becomes glass Think that's that's John, ladies and gentlemen. He's a geologist. He I don't. I don't quote me. Go go check the internet. Find out how obsidian is formed, and you probably that's what dragon glass is. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, you see, this is actually on me for not paying attention to the fact that obsidian was probably. I'm sure that if Iontron is out there, uh, I'll get a, a tweet from Iontron showing me the search results for how many times obsidian is mentioned in all of the text from that Search of Ice and Fire website that uh, everybody uses. You know, it, it would have taken a simple one-word search. I didn't bother. Why would I do that? Why would you do that, Matt? Come on. I mean, That's yeah, what the, inter the internet does that. You're, you, bring, you bring your talents to do what you do best. Yeah, see, what the I internet. do best is bring in experts like you, John, <laughs> who can tell me, hey, there's this word. 
It's used a lot in the. Pits. I don't know if it's used a lot. Let's be fair. I might even be conflating real world stuff with fictional world stuff. I'll. I am not infallible. <laughs> He's a conflator, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> the grand conflator. Grand I'm just conflator. an out and out liar, so that that makes me worse. Uh, what else we got here? I know that you said that you had watched this trailer many, many, many times. So. What kind of observations did you make that you feel would be good content for our listening audience? You don't want to talk about the haircuts for, for the infinite haircuts that everyone wants to analyze. Oh, it's cut here. It's longer here. It's longer there. It's like, I don't, I really don't have time for analysis. I don't think that's very productive. I think, you, we're... you know, I did a hair watch. <laughs> did a hair watch? <laughs> via Twitter because I quit the show by then, but I did a hair watch. Uh, all between season five and season six regarding Jon Snow. It just oh, kept yeah. coming up. Oh, Jon Snow hair watch. Jon Snow hair watch. Did he cut his hair? Did he cut his hair? Kit cut his hair. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. You oh. saw Kit. He's got a wig on. No, wait. It's his hair. Oh, my God. Uh, but no. So I'm, I'm not even remotely interested in Matt Damon's haircut. Uh, yes. Whether it happened or not. So... That's the way that I feel about that. But what did you? What else did you have on it? I want to be. Um, I, I'll be honest. I wanted. It's so crazy. It's literally. It's talking about dragons. They have like two shots of dragons in there. I want to know which dragon Matt Damon saw down in that cave, and I want to know was that in the dragon pit? Are we going to get to see the dragon pit? Like I know they've already pointed out the the sept of Baylor is in the background of that dragon flying scene. Like, I want, uh, personally, I want to see all the dragon stuff all the time. I want to know all the secrets about the Targaryens. Like, how do they actually talk to the dragons? Do they communicate? How, like, how does that work? Like, I want to see them actually, they make saddles. I, if I remember some books, some histories, they made saddles. And other people say, oh, no, no. They just, they don't ride with saddles. So I want to see all that. Like, that's that's what I'm, like, really amped for. And I really want the political intrigue does not really, I don't know, that part doesn't really grab me this time around. How about you, Matt? What are you most interested in seeing? John, I am actually, uh, the one thing that I always loved that drew me into the show in the beginning had nothing to do with the fantasy elements. I, I loved the human struggle. I despised, and as you can see the anger on my face, I despised people who would say things like, Nothing happened in this episode. I mean, a little girl's heart broke. That's enough for me. Those are the kinds of things that get me. Uh, I don't need wars and dragons, although I think we're definitely going to get some of those. Maybe not so much in this first season. I think that there's a lot of deep stories, um, if you read the accounts, in Fire and Blood, and if you just think about the things that George has said and what have you regarding the fact that uh, this story of war, no story of war ever works unless you care about the people who might die in it. And so that to me is the biggest mission for season one, and that's what I'm looking forward to most. How much of the great, great council of 101 do I need to see in a flashback? None. I, I, I don't care. But I do want to see how it affects Rainey's when she's trying to, you know, deal for, for her son, Lenor. I do want to see how that affects even a scene that we saw in this trailer 
where she's telling Rhaenyra, you know, nobody's going to like you being the queen. So I, I, I want to see how that impact uh, affects not only Rhaenyra, but how this whole blowback affects Rhaenys, the queen who never was, one of my favorite characters in this whole story, actually. So... Well, Matt, I don't want anybody to confuse my statement for wanting to know more about dragons saying I want to see action. That's not necessarily what I want to see. You just want I, dragons. I, I, I just want to see, like, what are the details behind it? Like, like you can give me all the political intrigue and all the human connections and stuff. Yeah, because if you don't have that, that, this isn't, that's not this world storytelling mechanism. You need all that. I'm just saying in terms of, like, the political intrigue from what I gather from the trailer, I can't gather what's that like that's not the thing that's drawing me in i know i'm gonna get it but in terms of like what are the what are the things i'm hoping we'll see is definitely like the world building aspects and part of that world building aspects like we're literally going to be with the house of the dragon so i need to see that built out like the dragon egg thing is actually a great point i don't even you asked me earlier that like that tr like kind of transfer of a dragon egg from a Targaryen to a non-Targaryen, I want to see what that like. What's that about? Does somebody think they're actually going to be able to like tame a dragon that's not a Targaryen? That's crazy. Right. Like, so like some like that's really intriguing. Like that world building, we're getting to see like the high towers. We always heard about the high towers in the, in the other series. We didn't really know them that well. Right. Like so, that's gonna. I mean, there's. I do really like that you're getting to see different houses than what you saw in the show. So that will be very interesting. The High Towers, uh, the Valarians, because I, I think one of the best through line reads of Fire and Blood is following the Sea Snake around. You know, not just his things here, but, you know, his voyages and, and what have you, which uh, I know that they, they're talking about making a show about that, which they, you know, it's not covered extensively. Uh, in, in volume one of Fire and Blood, but it, it is alluded to quite a bit, and so, um, or set up at very least. And so, uh, it's going to be fun to see that series blossom, hopefully, uh, as HBO uh, caches the cow that they've been behind uh, Disney and Marvel and Lucasfilm on. So, that, that'll be fun. Uh, but so, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think that seeing these. Um, I don't definitely don't want to call them lesser houses because in this particular time period, um, they feel just as important. As, you know, uh, folks, I know that we heard an oath from from Rickard Stark, which I thought it was. I'm not sure that Rickard was the right name. It's definitely not Ned's dad. Okay, folks, if you think that if you're thinking of. Of, of Ned's father. Uh, it's a lot, a lot older than that. Um, or uh, was it Boria, Baratheon? I can't remember the guy's name. It was name. Bormund. Bormund. There it is, Bormund. Um, just like me, I'm a boar man. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so one of the things that uh, I'm looking forward to is not seeing the line of Baratheon as much, which may come into play as much. Or Stark, which still may come into play later, but um, to have them be taking this oath and be on the seemingly on the side of Rhaenyra, if everything's cut together right, is intriguing. But I don't know that it's all that important. I'm, I'm much more interested, like you, in House Valer Valarian, 
mm -hmm. house, uh, you know, the other houses that we're going to see uh, be part of this, the high towers. Great, great stuff, man. Yeah. No, it's that whole scene where they're pledging themselves uh, to, to King Viserys and his named heir. It's going to be very interesting to get the background on why they're requested to pl uh, pledge their fealty at that moment. Like what dro drove to like, see, like, and I guess that's the type of stuff. I mean, dragons aside, like those are the type of world building type things that that really kind of flesh things out. Because a lot of us will probably forget because of the uh, little finger time machine that everyone's used to, like the trek from Winterfell down to King's Landing is not an easy one or a short one It's very long in Storm's End much closer. That's still that's not very like like there's a big deal of them coming there like so it, it's it's got to mean a lot. Agreed. And. One of the things that uh, I think just that may, did make me excited about this particular trailer is we will get a couple of seemingly new locations if we get if that is indeed Driftmark. If not, it's it's a, it's a newer Dragonstone, which will be fun to look at. Uh, we know we're getting Dragonstone because we saw the painted table, which I completely missed, and that's going to be fun to see uh, what Dragonstone looks like at that age. Um, when I saw the Iron Throne Room for the first time, and we've seen the images of, you know, that were originally supposed to be the Iron Throne, where it just looks like this mountain of swords, you know, and even in the television show, Littlefinger and Varys made the joke, well, that, there's no way that's a, a, thousand, a thousand blades in, in that throne. Uh, <laughs> it, it was one of their first little... Uh, whips what they were had at the side, I believe, or maybe it was in season three. I don't remember which one, but they, they, uh, they made a quip about how that's, you know, they, the show basically poked fun at itself. Yeah. We couldn't really build the iron throne the way you imagine it, the way George imagined it. But now it almost feels like an insult that they've just taken all of these other swords and just laid them around on the, on the floor and these little pyre looking like, you know, uh, displays, um, What's the point of that? Why did they do that? Why am I griping? I don't know. Uh, it's Ed, what's what's interesting is I saw it and I had I had kind of just the thought and be like, huh, that, that's an interesting um, idea in terms of how to show the extra swords. However, um, I see your complaint. I because it, it it's like it's more of like oh here's the Iron Throne now like let's we gotta plus it up with like some more swords so what do we do we just put them on the side uh, <laughs> I hope hopefully when we get to the actual show it it'll look better it'll make more sense um, what would be interesting is if if you maybe added some additional context or color to maybe the throne was as big and crazy as George imagined it and just over time it's like. It's like this is kind of just a bit much, Aegon. We're going to start like kind of whittling away at your Iron Throne to make it a little bit more, uh, I guess, normal and not so and weird. Then, and just to keep you happy, we're going to put them over here on the side, okay, so that you can still see them. <laughs> Except how would they get them undone after Balerion the Black Thread had already brought them uh, all yeah. together? See, that's the thing that I'm like, I'm thinking that what what really happened, what George will tell you really happened, is that, see, 
and going to conquer all these places. And he got a little premature with the building of the throne in Beleriand. And he said, oh, oh, wait, there's whole other places over there. So what am I going to do with these extra swords that people have surrendered to me? I know. I'll just make little displays around the sword. And so now people, when they think of the Iron Throne, they'll think of it as this massive sword thing. But it'll still just be a regular throne. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> Uh, anyway, I've done enough George impressions for this podcast. What else you got on this trailer? What, what, what else did you, or did you want to point out? That's a that is a great question, and not I mean I we covered the Valarians, we covered the the fealty play. Here's an interesting one because we I don't think we'd seen this. I know they do it in other shows. Is the blood um, blood oath blood vow? I know people say that it is between Rhaenyra and Damon, and that then that's what's happening there. Could it be something else? It doesn't have to be those two, because I look at a blood oath not necessarily being a sign of marriage. I mean, it could be many other things. It could be blood magic. Yes, which, that's what I was thinking too. It's like, I mean, <laughs> there's. There's not much magic done in this world without the, you know, some kind of sacrifice being made uh, one way or the other. And usually it does involve some kind of blood. So sacrifice or, or what have you. I think that I think you've got a good point. It doesn't necessarily have to be them just the way that they cut it together. Um, sometimes, for instance, uh, in my game, Alicent or Guilty, in my last podcast, I told you with a great deal of certainty, that the evidence of Alicent pulling that knife on Rhaenyra to kill her is quite circumstantial. It could actually be that there was a tarantula on Rhaenyra's back, (laughs) and she was merely trying to save Rhaenyra's life. But Rhaenyra mistook the gesture and started to stop her from using the knife. Or perhaps there was an assailant behind Rhaenyra uh, that Rhaenyra was not aware of. And Alicent uh, was indeed trying to save Rhaenyra's life. Even though it did look like she was jumping on top of her, maybe she was just trying to jump on top of her to get her out of the way to save her. So definitely Alicent, not guilty in that particular case. At any rate, uh, I think that they cut a lot of things together very cleverly in these trailers. Uh, Mm -hmm. I don't know how much of the beating down of the townspeople by... Uh, certain gold cloaks die, ties directly with uh, Matt Damon storming out of that place. I certainly don't think that Matt Damon storming out of the place and being cheered and then you see all that battle stuff. I think that has nothing to do with the ceremony that they were showing Rhaenyra being part of where everybody was pledging fealty to Viserys and to her. I think those are totally unrelated, although they made it look like that Damon was quite angry with the fact that Rhaenyra had been named the heir. Um, so they cut these things together to mislead as much to lead. Absolutely. Yeah, you can't trust these people. Not yeah, for a minute. Well, I'll tell you what. The only problem that you ever have with trailers is marketing. Because marketing, uh, you know, sometimes showrunners will plead and plead and plead. Don't put that in there. And the marketing people, oh, no, 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 no. This will make people subscribe. We have to have people subscribe. So that's probably the the biggest issue for most showrunners. 
You're not wrong, sir. You are not wrong. And it is kind of a, a give and a take. And you know what? That's why sometimes you just don't watch the next week on or you don't watch trailers and you just wait for the show to come out. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I me, me too. It doesn't bother me. It's, it I, doesn't bother <laughs> me. It's, it's like, especially with this particular story that has a quasi ending at least, um, I'm not really expecting anything to be that much different in terms of the, the end long game. Uh, again, uh, Really? I hadn't heard that. So uh, fill me in on that, Matt. What is their proposed end? I don't think that there is a proposed ending for it per se, but I do know that the story of the Civil War of the Dance of Dragons does come to a close. And uh, I hear that this is a five or six year plan um, for this particular show. So. Um, you can only stretch that puppy out. If you're going to do 10 episodes a season, you can only stretch that puppy out so far, right? Um, it, it, unless you're going to move into a next generation, in which case I say, oh, why didn't you start with the first generation then? So I could actually see what Aegon and Visenya were doing, you know? Um, I'd, I'd be into it. Yeah, but- I think it would be great as an anthology, but I said that two years ago and nobody listened to me. So I'll just do this. this I, think, I mean, hey, you know, look at Star Wars. Star Wars did it kind of weird. <laughs> but Go back, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you you could. I mean, it's like they're eventually going to start running out of stories. I mean, George probably thought they'll never get it all on film ever. There's so much here. It's like give HBO yeah. time. As long as the eyeballs are foul, they'll put it on film. Well, I mean, and they're 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 even scooping in on his other unfinished series. They're scooping oh. in on Duncan Egg. Um, so, I mean, they're 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 like taking control of everything. They're I've just, intentionally yeah. put that thing on the shelf just because there's like all so many unfinished things that he's done. It's like I'll just wait. Yeah. Well, you <laughs> not gonna say it. It would be very mean. Oh, it, it, it'll, uh, trust me, it'll all get finished no matter what happens. I'm just saying that right now. Yeah, other than the fact that there was an episode or two where I couldn't tell what was happening either due to camera movements or the fact that it was dark, I couldn't, uh, I really didn't have that much in the way of complaints of the television show. You can at me at the letter B, the number four, the dragon pod on Twitter and uh, send your hate mail that way if you're one of those extremists who uh, got. 8 million people to sign a petition to uh, reshoot season 8. Oh, no, that's crazy. That's ridiculous. But I will say this, HBO, if you're going to do a predominantly at-night pitch black scene and you're on a streaming platform, allow people to download an uncompressed version so they don't get the crazy matrix scene shot so it's like it's black and there's a little bit of gray and just fake. That's the part that drives me nuts about the streaming is the compression. But the compression is bad. I th- I felt that this trailer was shot a little dark. I would have liked to see. I thought that the the color scheming on it was a little bit, um, not in some scenes, but mm-hmm. in other scenes, I I, I felt. Uh, and believe me, I I have no idea. I'm not a filmmaker, so I have no idea how much trouble it is to balance lighting and all that kind of stuff, especially when you're using 
all different kinds of visual effects and, and what have you. So I'm not going to be saying, well, I could have done it better. I'm just saying, I would like to see it. That's all. I, th- I think it's going to be a beautiful show. Can I just please see it? That's all. You uh, spent a lot of money to put this whole thing together. You might as well. And it's a visual medium. That's the other thing, guys. It's a visual medium. So you just have to make sure people can see it Yes, <laughs> for the ones that are blessed still to be able to see. And that's uh, that's the only real complaint that I had about all of season eight was just that I would like to have seen it instead of, you know, yeah. not just being assaulted by way too much music in the mix, not being able to hear the dialogue, having to read, watch everything with subtitles just so I could understand what was being said. Okay, those are my criticisms. That, that, they have nothing to do with the story, which is what everybody else was going at them about, as far as I can tell. So. <laughs> Yeah, no. The good news is, is I don't have any real big source material to complain about this thing because of the whole perspective issue. So when this comes out, it's just this is the story. We don't have any. We can refer and expect certain things. However, we're gonna get a different take, and it's gonna be the final. I guess, the, and this is probably the last question I can even think of because this is like a minute and thirty second trailer, and we've literally peeled it as much as we can. But the um, when this is all said and done, this is literally going to be the true story of this. And I know you, we we discussed it a little bit, but that I I think it's kind of it is it is a very cool definitive take. And it's like, how much is George gonna? How is George gonna feel about that? Like, it's like this is your this is what really happened. George, like this is like you can do whatever you want, but like everyone's going to know what really happened now. And because this whole series kind of been gray, like from like intentionally. Of course. And those are the kinds of things that I was just wondering at and how the fact that this is an objective story will affect um, the way you perceive George's work more so Uh, than the way George's work will affect the way you perceive the TV show. Yeah, well, personally, that in terms of like, I actually think it makes George's work richer because it adds the layer of why did they write it that way? So it adds a motive and an agenda on the behalf of that writer that he he was writing through their POV through. They had they had thoughts on how they wanted people to see these events of the past in the future and impact them. So again, that is like probably more like 4D chess in terms of reading and not everybody wants to read that way. And that's fine. But in terms of, I guess, I I guess looking at George wanting to keep everything gray, it's like this is going to be, this will be gray stuff, but it's going to be pretty black and white in terms of these events happen. This is the order that happened. To your point, certain people are going to have certain events happen on the show. Do you think George is going to, clearly he's going to be cashing those checks. And so he's going to, he's, but do you think he'll be satisfied with it? I'm hoping that they're asking him and that he has an answer for it. I hope that that's what his principal role as an executive producer is, as opposed to, you know, Dave and Dan, poor guys, running up against a deadline. It's like, look, we're a season past your books now, man. We, we've got to wrap this thing up. You know, I can't keep an actor mm-hmm. on for 20 years and expect him to play somebody who's just two years older than when we came, you know, when, when season one started. So, you know, I mean, Maisie's, Maisie's got things to do. Sophie's got things to do. So what I'm hoping is, is that 
uh, Miguel and the other showrunner whose name eludes me right now, um, send your hate mail so at <laughs> number four of the Dragon Pod on Twitter because I can't even remember the other showrunner's name. But uh, Suposnik and uh, whoever the guy is, uh, what I'm hoping is is that they really mind the opportunity with a completed story, be it questionable as to what mm-hmm. things happen here or there, that they can say, okay, George, so Mushroom says this. And, okay, George, but Gildane says this. So which of these is closer to the truth uh, as you perceived it? And he will say, ah, you know, it's my secret. <laughs> <laughs> There's no secrets anymore, George. <laughs> and so hopefully that will alleviate um, people naturally. as Just as if I love... How all of these shows have theory casts and all these kinds mm-hmm. of things that follow them. And everybody comes up with these great theories. And then they get mad at the show because their theory doesn't work. <laughs> because their theory because their theory was wrong. Um, I don't care about any of that. But I do care um, that whatever truths get taken, um, that people don't reject because they read the book and thought it was some, they interpreted it some other way. Uh, because everybody interprets things in different ways. That's what the whole Rashomon effect is: is that your own biases and what have you put things in a different perspective um, than everybody else. Um, I might call something sky blue. John might call it a different kind of blue. You know, just depending on on how many different kinds of blues we've been exposed to. And so I hope that people don't get angry about that. At the same time, I think it'll be fun to have kind of and a special bonus for book readers who have already read this story to be able to say, well, I always thought this. And if they address it, let's see what, what it is. Mm-hmm. I think that that's kind of fun uh, for book readers, regardless of whether they thought they were right or wrong. So we'll see. No, I'm with you. I and that's a, that's I think the coolest part about these stories is when it is a little bit different when it's written the way we've already read it. The other books, I think those are a little bit more of a, a straight take that you can't really deviate too much from, even though they did. So no one wants to relitigate Game of Thrones, or do they? <laughs> <laughs> well, petition out there and there's 8 million people signed it <laughs> anyway uh, let's move on to something a little less serious like I've been serious this whole time uh, let's play a game John how about it alright let's play alright now, throughout the course of the House of the Dragon season, there are going to be penalties for doing these games correctly, or, well, not for doing these games incorrectly, for guessing things wrong. Uh, things like the, we're going to be doing a game called Seven Hells, where we have to select a character name each week, and if they happen to do, say, any of the Carlin words, or any of the Game of Thrones weird words uh, that uh, also equate to cussing, then we'll have to pay a punishment. Uh, 
those kinds of games. But another one that we can get punished for is the over-under for each episode. So, John, I'm going to make you take a guess at the pilot episode right now. I've already gone on record as saying that all of the episodes will be over 55 minutes. All of them. So I'm guaranteed to lose. And you'll see me pay some weird punishment like having to dress up like Daenerys or having to talk like George the entire podcast or oh, things gosh. like that. We've got don't all do that to yourself, Matt. Content. Got all of these different... Don't do it to my listeners, you mean. <laughs> uh, but we've got all kinds of great punishments. But John, uh, I'm going to... Now you know. I've picked over 55 minutes for the pilot episode. What about you? Over or under 55 minutes... Uh, for the pilot episode, we'll include the credits, uh, but not the end credits, mm. just the, the, the initial credits, because everybody's going to want to see what kind of map thing they do for this show. Sure. Yeah. Um, see, I've, I've heard that it's going to be uh, 10 episodes. That's, that's that's the rumor right now. I'm sure it's probably pretty, pretty fenced in on that, but I, I kind of think that this is, this is going to be... Uh, pretty epic in scale in terms of I don't think they're being a cut in corners I don't think they're going to be crunched to keep people at an hour at all because they just want to keep eyes on them as long as they can and definitely advertise HBO everything to keep people around so I gosh I I don't know what's making me feel like this and I'm probably way wrong and everyone can tell me that because I'm sure everyone likes to be right, and they could tell someone else they're wrong. They're happy, so I would. That's, that's, I would. That's everybody's job for me, John. You're not supposed to be told you're wrong. I'm the one that's supposed <laughs> to be told I'm wrong all of the time. I almost want to say the first episode. I'm almost thinking it's going to be like an hour and a half. I don't know why. Wow. So but definitely I'm, the over then. Oh yeah, definitely over the fifty-five. I think probably. I think you're uh, onto something, Matt. I don't. I just don't think it's like we're in the Netflix era and HBO is not saying that like even HBO. It's like, why would you ever say, oh, we have to keep it at an hour, guys? Like, tell your story, whatever. If the story needs 45 minutes, cool. The story needs two hours. That's fine. But they've they've always just run, you know, something ends at 840 or 940. They just run 20 minutes of promotion for their next show or whatever. So. Uh, and it's right. like, do they care more about Max versus their actual terrestrial network? I mean, I don't, I don't know what they're going for in terms of that marketing strategy. But personally, I think, yeah, I just have a feeling it's almost going to be like a feature-length film to kind of introduce this kind of world. I mean, I, I think that would be the best way to do it because it's one, it's a story unto itself. It's like, wow, this show's got such such balls to come out and be like, yeah, we're going to do like a movie to start things off. But you're probably, I think you're, it's probably closer going to be to what you're saying in terms of it'll be over 55 minutes, but I just, I don't know why I'm thinking it's going to be really, really long. The first episode. Well, if you think it's going to be really long and you've gone with the over, we'll find out when the first episode airs. Now, I will say this for folks who are worried about keeping us tabs on this, uh, as I know you all are. This is so important to you. But <laughs> one of the things that we will do uh, is we will discount any previouslys or anything like that in, in, in future episodes after the pilot episode. If you can't have a previously in a pilot episode. At least I don't think you can. 
if they can. And uh, previously on the trailer, uh, but <laughs> I, I think basically what we're going to do is we're going to say that um, if there's a cold opening, of course that will count, and the credits will count. But otherwise, it's always post the credits and before the end credits of the show will be the total amount of time. But the 55-minute mark will always be the standard. So uh, if they decide to do a whole bunch of 54-minute episodes that don't fit in that window, I'm really screwed. I'll be doing things like The Hound, where I have to eat chicken through the whole podcast. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Now that I can't get behind that ASMR in life on that one. I would not be listening to you. Well, you can choose your punishments. There's about 40 of them on this little paper so anytime you get punished you can just choose which one you like i would say choose choose the easy ones first i happen to really enjoy chicken i probably won't after i take that punishment at some point in the season but uh, i happen to really enjoy chicken so i'm going to try to get that one i'm going to try and take the hound uh which is a visual gag and we'll have a little punishment gag uh cam on the youtube so that you can see as we the podcast comes out and me eating chicken or, or dressed as, I don't know. I don't know how many different kinds of things we have. Uh, there's, like I said, there's 40 of them. We'll go through them all right before the, the show starts airing. Very good, John. So we've got you down now. I'm marking this down right now. John, it's over. For sure. Over. So, uh, just a little bit of feedback to get to here as well. Our good friend Bubba, who is from Double P Media, that's the word double, the letter P, media.com. If you're looking for the Joffrey of Podcasts, which is everybody's favorite podcast about Game of Thrones, will it be everybody's favorite podcast about House of the Dragon? Who knows, but it'll still be one of my favorite podcasts, no matter what. Uh, on the YouTube, from my wonderful and accurate trailer review from last week, Double P Media says, The trailer was good, but Game of Thrones, Westeros, always needs some action. The action was light in this trailer compared to early Game of Thrones trailers. Okay, that's fair. Bubba, I think that's fair. Just as long as you didn't say that nothing happened in this episode or in this trailer. Because I feel like a lot of things happened in this trailer that pulled up me in anyway. Uh, but that's me. Uh, John? Well, I, I wouldn't say. it's. That's not what's bringing me to the show right away. Okay. Like, um, definitely, because the world building is... I mean, again, everything's interconnected. But definitely world building people... Like the houses, it's one of those things. It's like if I could sit there and go through like the uh, a day in the life of somebody who lives in X house, I'd be very interested to see that. See that part of that is political intrigue, so I guess they're kind of intertwined. But to Bubba's point, there, it, I feel like there was action in this trailer. I mean, you had a fire breathing dragon, you had a flying dragon. Those are activities and actions. Now, do people, people getting a beat down? Yeah, there, there you go. Kristen Cole throwing punches like he's Ali. Um, I, I mean, you had blood in hands. I mean, you had a knife scene. 
you got scheming with uh father and daughter who's the hand of the king i mean yeah what, get, what more do you want you got a sarcophagus getting thrown in the ocean now see i'd be that's an interesting world building element i am kind of in, in, interested to see it's like what's that about because that's kind of it's like i mean we saw the tullies we saw what they did but at least it went somewhere you throw a coffin right off the shore it could sit there for a while <laughs> Tides back I, hope that that thing back I hope that water's deep so that it because it appears to be stone so it should go down pretty good but it ain't gonna float away anywhere soon um, correct it's, uh, you know <laughs> years later when Westeros developed scuba diving and over here we have the sarcophagus uh, man that's kind of creepy because if that's where they throw everybody and they all just kind of go down there you're gonna have oh. a big pile of coffins Ooh, you're right. That's not fun at all. That's like, or, or worse, they break. And, you know, body parts are hanging out of them, getting all bloated. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, no, that's, that's a bad, that's a bad move. And they're Fish definitely feeding off of it. Right. Hopefully get some gigantic squids coming. <laughs> yeah, we need a kraken <laughs> to come in and take it away. That's what we need. There you go. Now, now we're talking. But it's probably a, we haven't had a water dragon yet. We've had an ice dragon. Maybe there's a water dragon. Mm, maybe there is. We will find out. <laughs> Certainly. Chad, thank you so much for joining me, sir. I really appreciate your time uh, listening to my rambliness and my silliness. As always, you have been a, a great co-host with some great thoughts. If people, I know that you don't get on the social medias very often anymore, but if people really want to empathize with you for putting up with me for an hour or so, uh, how do they do so? Well, you can go on over to Twitter. Again, I'm not always there, but if you at me, I know Matt says don't at him, but you can at me to strike up a conversation. It's the letter J underscore McGonagall, and I will spell it out for the first time because I haven't been on this for a long time. So it's M C G O N A G L E. So that's at J underscore M C G O N A G L E. That's on Twitter, and you can at me. Um, and if you are mildly interested in any sort of horror movies, I've been doing a podcast with some friends that um, you're welcome to come and listen to us. Um, it's called the wicked wild and it's, it's definitely interesting. We have every week, um, you'll get to hear a movie review of sorts. It's mostly just us rambling and saying why we like it and why their opinions are wrong. And then on the off weeks, there's, uh, one of the hosts does the campfire tales. And on that show, it becomes a fever dream of kind of like the inspiration for the movie review. I'm not on all of them. And on the Campfire Tales, but I am there for every movie review. So definitely come on over there. It's a good time. And um, it's fun. We're not trying to make money. We're just trying to have a good conversation. Excellent. What, what's the name of the podcast again one more time? The Wicked Wild. Do they? Do you guys have a social media for that over there? Anyway? The, the Twitter did not take off, but you, you can definitely go over to Instagram. And they are over there at Wicked Wild We Are. Apparently the Wicked Wild was taken, but so that's where you can find the show. They're always posting on Instagram. I don't run that account, but definitely a couple of the other hosts do. So definitely check check that out. 
There's always some funny memes. We do have a, a patented uh, rating scale for the movies. We don't do stars. We don't do popcorns. We don't do numbers. We do Seven the fingers? F- no, no fingers. Uh, it is the FMK system. So you either are effing the movie, marrying it, or putting it out of its misery. So Wow, right on. Who needs tomatoes when you've got FMK? That's right. All right, excellent. Uh, folks... As you know, I'm Matt. I've always been Matt. I've never been anybody but Matt. Um, you can find me at Before the Dragon Pod on Twitter. Send emails to mattsaudioblog at gmail.com. You can just use the contact form at mattsaudioblog.com. M A T T S audioblog.com. And be sure to hit that YouTube link that is at the dot com and subscribe to the YouTube page so that I can get you a name to remember it better by. See ya.